0: Welcome to the LBCF podcast. Our vision is to learn to live and love like Jesus, where we live, work, and play. To find out more about our community, you can visit us at lbcf.org. We hope you are encouraged and challenged by this teaching from our community. All right, community. This is what's up. I love it. I love the connection and the connecting. And good morning, LBCF. We're going to get started here. I've got about 30 minutes. Um, and um, my name is Elvia, and it's great to be here with you guys. And um, I'm newly a member of the Elder board, and um, I'm very, very yeah, very fortunate to, yeah to be able to serve in, in, in that way, and um, although I'm just getting started, and so I'm just saying that now. Um, but I and just thinking about worship, guys. That song, man, that 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 chorus of, um, you know, you are. I just love that. Just just singing, you are waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. And just yeah, being able to yell that, and just repeat, that is who you are. That is who you are. And I feel like that just needs to be this meditation that we just keep in our minds at all time. Like God, that is who you are, because there's so much that's always moving our minds and our thought and our focus from God away from him and who he is, who God is in our life. And, and it's just so perfectly fit where my heart has been this morning. And, um, you know, we read this uh, in the scripture reading. Um, uh, we read in the first chapter of John, the Gospel of John. And so you got this, this, this dude, John, who is the author um, of the Gospel of John. And he starts out the story of Jesus just by like just talking about the word and how the word was in the, in the world. And, and then he describes, well, the world not only is in the world, but he created the world. Everything was made through him. And, and then not only that, he's a light in the dark world. And, you know, I, that thought, I just, yeah, this world's dark. I go through seasons of, like, I just skip the news. You know, I don't like to listen to the news sometimes because, like, I can't take it. It's too much. And the, all that being said, it's just, it's just a, a dark world. And, and the cool thing about the Bible, is, you know, we have some, we have some ancient texts, and, and we have Jesus who gave example and, and taught, and in the, in the, in the authors of the Bible who taught on moving in this space, the context of a dark world, because this world is just as dark as it was back then. And it was also a dark world. So it's so significant. And then he, the very next thing, after he says, you know, the light shines in the darkness. So we have this context of darkness that we live in this dark world. We all know it. And then John's talking about how the light shines. And then he all of a sudden kind of turns his gaze to this guy. And this is also where the story starts, this guy named John the Baptist, this other dude named John. And, um, and this John the Baptist, cool dude, I think he had dreads um i he i also you know they say he ate uh like grasshoppers or you know certain grubs and 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 honey and like just was just this wild dude you know and then he just kind of but he came and he was the guy who was like telling people about the coming word the coming light into this dark world and this is how john describes him there was a man sent from god whose name was john and guys i'm going to cry today i'm sure I just need to say that, and it's okay, Um, it's okay, and if you know, if you've known me, uh, like, maybe on a deeper level, you know, I'm just like, I don't cry, come on, I don't cry, but I think there's a part of me that celebrates it now, because there's some work that's been done to get me to this place of being able to feel, you know, anyhow, that was a side note, so there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. John made sure that we knew that. He came only to witness, as a witness to the light. And I was reading that earlier this week. I don't know how I landed on it, but I was reading it. And I thought, man... I always have read this from the perspective, like, John the Baptist is, like, this, like, holier-than-thou dude. Like, this is, he, he's the chosen guy that came and made way for Jesus. This is a John the Baptist kind of description and not me. But the truth is, guys, I think this is, if you are a member of any church or just Christianity in general, man, you're a person of the light, you know? And, and I think, you know, I just was like, man, how, why don't I ever read, yeah, that's right, I've been sent by God, and I was sent to, to actually be a witness of this light that I become aware of, and not only that, man, my heart, my calling is so that all people might believe in this light, and I think that's our mission, guys, like this community, welcome if you haven't, have you never been here, or don't know us, and, um, but man, welcome to our community, it's awesome, and this is our calling, I think, you know, like this is what I was thinking this week, Um, that all might believe through us and we have to remind ourselves that we aren't the light ourselves which I think is also significant Um, but we come here we exist we live only to be a witness of that light and um, that is not the teaching today but that is just the heart of what we're talking about and I would jump from that and say guys I think we're going to talk a little bit about evangelism here we're really in the series of parable uh, parables, and uh, we spent a couple weeks away from the parables. We're back to the parable series now, and we're going to continue in Luke chapter 16. If you have Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 16. If you'd like to read a paper Bible, there's also Bibles in the back of the room. Um, and it's this parable called the Parable of the Shrewd Manager. Um, how many of you guys got real excited when I said we're talking about evangelism? <laughs> you know. I, <laughs> Oh, man, it's a term that just over the years that I've been a Christian, it just has gotten worse and worse, that term, you know? And it's just hard to love. And even if you love the term evangelism, if anybody walks in a room like that one crazy dude that's in in, in a church community, they're like, let's go evangelize. That's, when, that's the point you would probably still tense up a little bit. You're like, oh, like, what is that going to look like? Um, I asked my wife, um, Allie, uh, this week, she's like, hey, what? is initial reaction when I say this word evangelism and she's like well I get tense I tighten up and I just think about this whole like man yeah that's right I'm called to be this witness of the light the true uh, the meaning uh, the word evangelism I probably will mispronounce this but it comes from this uh, phrase evangelion which really just means good news. And in this, you know, in this world where we want to skip the news sometimes, man, we just need that good news. And I think that's exactly the heart that Jesus is coming with when he, tar- he shares this, this parable. Um, now, uh, the parables, just a little bit about parables before we jump in. Again, Luke 16 um, is Jesus often taught in this mode uh, of parables which it's almost like speaking in code and he would say it and sometimes he w- it would be like in a story that was maybe an analogy to a truth about his kingdom or a truth about heaven or a truth about how we ought to act as as his uh, people as people of light um, and oftentimes you know he would say if you don't have ears to hear this you're, you don't have ears to hear if you don't have eyes to see you're just not going to see and 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 there'd be listeners that there would be listeners who would have feathers ruffled by the things he was teaching, and then there's some um, that that would receive it. and And I, my prayer is that even myself would have eyes to see today, this morning, as we read this parable. Okay, so let's jump in to this parable of the shrewd manager. And the last thing I'll say about this parable is it's a it's, a, it's I think it's a tough one. It's probably one of the only parables where it doesn't matter what side of the spectrum of things in in the church I've just The teachers and the scholars really wrestled with this. There's so many views on what this parable is all about, and you'll see why shortly here in a second. So we have Jesus, and he's hanging with his disciples, and and he's telling, he starts to talk to them, but there's also um, Pharisees in the area. They're listening as well, but he's talking to his disciples. And he, he speaks up and he says, there's a rich man, there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions, an asset manager, a state manager. And so he, he called him in and asked him, what is this I hear about you? Like, what's up? You know, give an account of your management because you cannot be manager any longer, where you where you read give an account, maybe it's hey, like turn in your accounts. Like, I want to see what, what you've been up to. Regardless, the manager himself, he doesn't he doesn't feel like arguing. He just kind of resolves himself and he says, the manager said to him, and he says, Well, what shall I do now? My master's taken away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig. I'm I'd be ashamed to beg. And I know what I'll do. Um, I'll be, I'll be ashamed if I beg, and let me just back up a little bit. So the context here is probably largely agri- agricultural. Um, this guy was probably not simply just a banker, this rich man, but, you know, the context is, is agriculture, and we'll see why, um, because the, the people that the manager ends up dealing with are, are farmers. Um, and so when he says, well, I can't go dig, who knows, he might have an ailment. Who, who knows what it is that challenges him to dig? Maybe he just doesn't have the skills. Um, But then he also says, well, I don't want to be ashamed. I don't want to be a beggar. And he goes, I know what I'll do. When I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. And I think this is the key key here. I think that this, and this is kind of where I relate with this, um, I think that, that it's possible that the main concern for this guy is simply survival. He wants to survive. It's whether he needs a place to live or maybe he needs a job to be able to pay for uh, a way of life. He then says, well, I know what I'm going to do. And by the time I'm done with my little plan here, um, every, like I will, I, will, um, I will have a place to go. I'll have a home that will welcome me in. Okay. This is where it starts to get good. So he called in each of his master's debtors, the people that owed the master money. And he asked the first, how much do you owe my master? And these debtors, of course, they didn't know that he was about to get fired. So they talked to him like he was still the manager of the estate. How much do you owe my master? And the, and the first person says, 900 gallons of olive oil. And I'm not uh, an expert on this, but I um, I believe that it's about a year and a half of a farmer's wages um, in during this time. So a bunch of money. And so he says, Take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it 450. Let's cut it in half. Then he asks a second, how much do you owe? And, a thousand, and the, the person says, "A 1,000 bushels of wheat. And then he replies, well, take your bill, and let's make it 800. And so this guy, obviously, he's cheating, he's scheming, he's dishonest. And this is the reason why we get challenged with this. So then the next thing that Jesus says is, well, The master responds by commending the dishonest master because he had acted shrewdly. And so people ask, like we all ask, why would Jesus promote this guy? Why would he say that this master would actually commend this person for acting shrewdly? And then he responds and he starts to explain, for the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people... Of the light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Okay, so a couple thoughts here on what this whole parable might mean. The first question that pops up for me is what does the word shrewd mean? And why do I, I've always used that word and read this word with a negative connotation. I've even entertained the idea of maybe it just rhymes with rude. So it's like shrewd, rude, and maybe that's just why. It just has this like negative sound to it. Um, but then when you look up the definition of the word shrewd, you find that it's, it's synonymous with words like astute, sharp-witted, sharp, intelligent, clever, alert, observant, wise, sage, on the ball, in Matthew ten sixteen, Jesus actually talk, talking to his disciples also said, "Hey, I'm sending you out like sheep among the wolves. So therefore, be as shrewd as snakes." This isn't the first time that Jesus was instructing these his disciples to be shrewd and as innocent as doves. So what does this word shrewd mean? And, and I believe that those who are listening, they weren't phased like I was, I'm phased by the word shrewd. They heard and they're like, oh, yeah, that's totally what we ought to desire. We need to be shrewd. Um, when, I, when I was just starting out in high school, I went through a really tough time. I probably maybe have shared this story before. Uh, my mother had uh, some issues with her heart, was hospitalized for some time, and um. I came home one day, my first semester of freshman year, and my mom wasn't home, and I waited till later that night, and somebody had called, a family member called and said she's in the hospital. And she didn't come home for, I think it was about two and a half weeks. So that was my first experience living on my own. And during this time, um, what I love is I can, my heart breaks for that kid. And I just just really, because my heart has never broken for the little me in the past. Um, you know, during that time, I had to get creative on how to eat and how to survive, and one of the essentials, as we know the pandemic has made out for us, is toilet paper, you know, and I ran out of toilet paper, and I had no money, and so eventually, I knew that I can go to McDonald's and sit down at a table and stuff a bag with napkins, and so I did, and, um, you know, use that, but that only lasts a couple of days, and I used to skateboard a ton, and so I would skate around cities and the, the city that I lived in, which is in the San Fernando Valley, and there was a Petco on Ventura Boulevard. And I remember, because when you skate, you're not home, and so you just keep in mind where the bathrooms are, the clean bathrooms. So this Petco had a legit bathroom. And, and so I just remember that this one specific Petco actually had the stockpile, like the store's stockpile of toilet paper in the bathroom. So you can walk in, lock the door, use the bathroom, and I, I thought, I know where I can get toilet paper. I skated over this Petco, walked in like I do any other day with my skateboard and my backpack, and I loaded that backpack with toilet paper. And uh, the reason why I think I'm holding off tears is I was talking to Barb earlier this week, and we're just wrestling with this word shrewd, wrestling with this parable, like, why would Jesus promote this sort of behavior? Why does Jesus overlook the sin? And he just goes, man, I just commend you for your behavior. And Barb turns to me and she's or on the phone, and she said, "L.V., I think you are extremely shrewd. She's like, You know, you, you have acted shrewdly in your life for your benefit, absolutely. And my mind went straight to this, this story, you know, like that's a shrewd little kid, creative, witty, smart, intelligent, on the ball, thinking about what he can do. And long story short, man, I've carried shame for stealing. You know, like when people ask me if I've stolen before. This is the thought that comes to my mind. And I've even thought to myself, um, um, well, I should. how do I pay Petco back? I'm just going to cruise up with like a little pack of um, Charmin rolls and, and just say like, hey, you know, I, 20 years ago I stole some rolls from you guys. And I want to give them back. And, you know, I think um, but when I pray about it, I think Jesus I don't hear words of, like, man, I can't believe you did that. I can't believe you stole. I hear, like, man, that was creative. And I see this scared little kid. And I cry because, I, man, I just relate with that kid. And it's, this is, like, again, like a new journey for me of going, man, that, that, that really sucked. Um, and I think it's possible that this manager learned to be dishonest and shrewd because whatever – Circumstances he had gone through in life. It's just survival. I've heard somebody tell me once that there's no bad people in this world, but just people who are doing the best that they can and they commit crimes and they hurt other people, and and yet the story is so large, and this is the way our God sees us. And he's able to tell this parable about this, this, this master who looks at this dishonest manager and just says, Man, I commend you for being an acting shrewd. And the word that I have today, guys, is, well, I think we're all shrewd in our own weird ways. I've, I've been having fun with the Enneagram lately. I'm an Enneagram 7, and no one doubts that because I love to adventure and leave. I cannot be home. I love to leave home. And I always, when I first read the personality type, the Enneagram, for those of you who aren't familiar, has nine personality types. And so... I'm the seventh one, and um, I'm, so I'm, an, I'm a seven, and so you read these personality types, and the first time you, like, read your personality type, you're like, wow, that's crazy accurate, and then you go from that, and you start learning about what really creates, you know, why people operate in their certain personality type, and they're all rooted in, like, our fears, and our experiences, and that I have to. Then I, I was called to admit and embrace the truth that, yeah, I love to adventure because home was never really this placeful place. So I want to go and camp, you know. I want to go out and skateboard all day long as a kid, and that's what formed the shrewd activity and behavior that I that I started to embrace. I would love to argue that all of us know how to be shrewd. In our own ways, and a lot of times I think it's subconscious, we're naturally just using our intelligence for our own gain or for business of this world. And so back to the scripture, Uh, verse 8, so the master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. And I remember, guys, we are the people of the light. And then he's talking about those, just the world in general and how shrewd people are. And it's almost like Jesus is jealous. He's explaining, guys, the people of the world are are embracing their shrewdness for whatever matters that are important to them. And they're doing this more so than people of the light. In verse 9, Jesus then says, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves. So that when it is in what kind of friends? Friends in heaven, so that when it is gone, and I think not the wealth, but I think this world is gone, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. What are we doing, guys, to ensure that we know our neighbors in heaven? What are we doing? So that when we go to heaven, it's not just like, woohoo, you too, me too, but it's literally, woohoo, thank you for, for loving me. And sharing grace and light and being a witness to the light. Because, dude, I remember that day 20 years or however many years ago. And it's it, you helped me along the way, you person of light. Man, I, this, I remember the guy, Chris, he was the first witness to the light in my life. And I think about him all the time because he was so zealous and passionate about sharing the light and being a witness to the light. And I, I, I've tried to, re- I found him on Facebook, and for some reason I can't connect with him. But I want to sit down in person and say thank you. It's like, it's like a desire in my heart. I've, I've said, hey, can we go to coffee, and um, haven't heard back. And now, now I think he's moved out of state. But regardless, I'm just so thankful. And Jesus here, he says, use, be shrewd so that you can gain friends that are going to welcome you in the heavenly places, in eternal dwellings. Verse 10, whoever can, can be trusted with very little can be also be trusted with much. And Jesus always does this where he kind of minimizes, not to overlook or discount completely the things in our pursuits of this world, but I think from Jesus' perspective, man, this isn't only it. There's so much larger out there. So if you can be trusted with the little that we have here on earth, then you can also be trusted with the much that will step into in heaven. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be tr- dishonest with much. So if you, have never, if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And I don't think true riches is necessarily gold in heaven. I just think it's just the good stuff, the culture and the ways of heaven, the responsibilities of God's kingdom. And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? Finally, guys, there's other people in the room, the Pharisees, not just the disciples. And I love what I picture is Jesus is talking to his disciples as people of the light. And then he turns to the Pharisees and, and, and he starts to speak up about money because they're, that, that's, that's the struggle. That was the struggle. That was what they are on about. Oftentimes when I think about the problems of this world, I think I have the answer. And what I become passionate about is politics or debating or power or all these different things. So it doesn't matter if it's money. But he then says, no one can serve, verse 13, no one can serve two masters. And this is where you start to see the jealousy. Either you will hate the one and love the other, you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The Pharisees who loved money, and I don't think it's, this, this passage is left out, but this is the last two verses. This, this, this section ends with, The Pharisees who loved money heard all of this and were sneering at Jesus. And Jesus responded to them, You are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of others, but God knows your hearts. I think that's what we get out of all of these parables. The prodigal son story, this guy who just messes up, comes back, he was dead, but now he has life, he was lost, but now he's found, and the whole thing that I get is that God knows his heart. He's had this place at the table. Same with the older brother in that story, and same with this shrewd manager. I think that God sees this person's heart. God knows your heart. What people value highly is detestable in God's sight, and that's the end of the passage. You guys, what are we doing to ensure that we know our neighbors in heaven? And I think what I want most for this morning are two things, the word adoption. We've been adopted into this family. We've been adopted into this reality that there's some good stuff in this dark world, and there's, there's light in this world, and we are people of light, and we're actually called to witness that light, whatever that means. It doesn't necessarily have to mean holding a sign on a street corner or taking every moment to sell the, you know, the faith that you have to someone else, but it could be maybe in your behavior or your, or your, your tone of your voice, you know, or it could be maybe just in the, the kindness or the kind acts that you do. But whatever it is, what is Jesus whispering to you? And I want to end with this story that I just love. I think that um, this book right here, this person, this book is written by a guy named Mike Iaconelli, who is a, um, a youth, he's like a pastor to youth pastors, and that's my, youth work is my background. And um, man, his, this pers- his perspective is radical, and he passed, I think, in around like 2005 or six in a car accident, and after he passed, um, his wife collected his just random diary writings, and, and article you know entries and made this, formed this book called The Collected Writings. And this book has served as a massive source of spiritual direction for me. So I'm excited to share it with you. So this, one of the first stories he shares is called A Freedom Story. Oh, the story just makes me melt. Um, and it's about this young Christian, maybe a teenager, you know, just super stoked on Jesus. I really relate with that because I became a Christian when I was 17 and I, I was just like, I got I to gotta tell everybody about this. This is awesome, you know. And so see, here's this Christian who is new to the, the game, doesn't really understand the rules, doesn't understand, you know, the, the mannerisms that he needs to have, but all he wants to do is share that light. He wants to evangelize. He wants to share the good news, and so one day he's like, I'm just going to go into the middle of the city and, and just start there. And he goes in the middle of the city and finds this, this really old, dilapidated, like, housing project building. I picture maybe, like, New York, this a large building. And, and, and he goes into this building and just walks in. And the, the, he wa- starts walking through these dark hallways. And he starts to hear this woman screaming, yelling, angry, and a baby crying. And so he's like, maybe that's a sign. And he walks up to the door and he knocks on the door. And this, this woman opens the door and, and just goes, what do you want? You know, I'm busy. And he, he notices, you know, the woman is 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 just frantic and angry and is, is holding this baby that doesn't have a diaper on, is naked. And, and you know, she's smoking her cigarette. And she's just like, I don't have time for pe- like people like you. And so, you know, she slams the door and he walks out defeated and. He just goes out to the front of the, the building and sits down just like, man, I'm good for nothing in this, this game of witnessing the light. Like, what am I going to do? I got no skills, no sway. And, and so he looks up and he sees this liquor store. He goes in the liquor store, starts walking around, and all of a sudden he remembers the baby was naked. The baby didn't have a diaper. And, and she was smoking. So I know what I can do. I, I'm going to buy some diapers and cigarettes. I'm going to go try again. And he does that. He walks into this building. He knocks on the door again. Lady opens a what? And he just shoves the diapers and the cigarettes in. And she ends up letting him in. And I'm going to read from the book just to capture what Mike Iaconelli says here. The woman invited him in. The student played with the baby. He put a diaper on the baby even though he never put a diaper on before. And when the woman asked him to smoke, he smoked, even though he never smoked before. He spent the whole day playing with the, the baby, changing diapers and smoking. <laughs> Late in the afternoon, just so messy, right? Late in the afternoon, the woman asked him, what's a nice college boy like you doing in a place like this? And he told her all he knew about Jesus. And it's significant that Mike Iaconelli, he writes, it took him about five minutes. He knew very little. When he stopped talking, the woman looked at him and said, pray for me and my baby that we make it out of here alive. And so he prayed. Mike writes, this young man's story is a freedom story. Because of his freedom in Christ, he was led by the Holy Spirit to change diapers and, well, smoke. If this young man were in your church community and gave this testimony, and this was written about 20 years ago now, so maybe we've made our way out of purity culture a little bit, but side note, ignore that. (laughs) But here we go. If this young man were in our youth group or in our church community and gave this testimony, I have strong feeling many Christians wouldn't be celebrating his freedom in Christ. They'd be asking you what was going to be done about his indiscretion. Trouble is, what he did was spirit led indiscretion. Paul said it best where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom freedom to simply be available, freedom to mess up, freedom to try and give it a shot, you know, because God knows your heart, right? And in this situation, he was free to smoke. Uh oh. When Jesus says the truth sets us free, he isn't kidding. The trouble with modern Christianity is that we've tried to defang the truth. Freedom in Christ does have things, sharp ones. That's why when Christ was around, people weren't afraid to tear roofs apart. There's a story in the Bible where they they wanted Jesus to heal someone, so they ripped the roof of this building apart. That's why... Back in, in, when Christ was around, they let little children run out of control, and when I read this, I just pictured when Etta was uh, dedicated and the kids were just running out of control right here. The freedom Jesus is, up, is all about isn't a nice religious concept or a cute idea, it's wild, dangerous, shocking, upsetting, uncomfortable, daring, threatening, it's, and it threatens truth. And this is kind of where this part challenges me. Freedom in Christ means we are free to fail and free not to fail. We're free to follow Christ and actually free to run from him out of fear. Have you done that? I have. We are free to obey and free not to, be, not to obey. And I've spent a whole lot of time not obeying. We are free to sin and free not to sin. And Mike Iaconelli is not promoting this life of sin. Jesus instructed us to, to turn from sin, he, to change, and to sin no more. Sin can be very detrimental in our life. But I think there's a deeper point here. There's freedom to give it a shot and just to go. And so when I ask, what is Jesus whispering to you today? What are we doing to ensure we know neighbors when, in, in the kingdom of heaven? Guys, I want you to hold in your heart also this truth that, man, there is freedom to give this a shot. I was free, although stealing is not okay. and That's not the message here. I was free to be that little kid who was scared and just to do what I needed to do, to be shrewd for my own worldly survival. And in so, Jesus, I hear his voice, and he's like, man, I see that little kid, and you need to see that kid too. I see the situation, I see the context, I see to this shrewd manager that you're trying to have a job, you're trying to make your way. And he takes this whole context and then he says, you guys, I just want you to love the kingdom far more than all of the earthly pursuits. I just want you to pursue and use your shrewdness for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. And that's the calling for our church, Long Beach Christian Fellowship, that we would just be this community that embraces the fact that, that we are people of the light, that we are called to be witnesses of the light. Just like John the Baptist, he is not, he is not the, the dude on the pedestal that's above us where that is only his calling and that's not our calling. I think in some odd way, the, the writer, the Apostle John, was, was describing us as a church as the body of Christ. And so, again, I just ask one more time, um, what's Jesus whispering to you? What's he calling you to embrace? For some, it might be, man, I need to study scripture more so I can just understand how to explain this stuff that I feel in my heart. For others, it might be, man, I need to to befriend my neighbor because I've been kind of mean to my neighbor. Or others, it might be, man, I I really need to go... um, And do this wild thing. I don't know what it was or what it is. But what is Jesus whispering to you? Final question, are you moving too fast to hear? I encourage you to slow down. That's my daily reminder for myself. Got to stop and listen to this Jesus. So um, there's a conversation of the heart. God knows our heart. And I think that's what it's all about. What is the treasure of our heart? And sometimes we just need to come back to that first love. Sometimes we need to come back to that original thing that just lights our heart up about the person of Jesus and forget all the other business. And I think about the word evangelism, and there's a lot there. There's a lot of, there's a lot of reason why I tense up when I hear that word, but maybe we need to forget that and just be simply people of the light. And um, so we're going to move into a time of just worship. We're going to respond. But worship is more than just a response. I think that uh, worship starts where we get up and we put our clothes on to go to church and we park and walk in and worship is happening already. And we come in and um, and, and I believe that worship, one view that I, I hold is that worship is like this crescendo on a Sunday morning all to communion where we get to demonstrate and act in, this, in our union or communion with, with Christ. We come back to that starting place. And so as you, um, we're going to move into time of communion. If you're serving communion, if you can uh, come on up and, and we'll, we'll start to transition here. But um, let's stay in this space of just listening to the whispers of Jesus. Jesus, he modeled for us and instructed us to take communion in remembrance of him, of his life. The bread represents his body broken for us. The, the wine, um, here we have grape juice, grape um, juice represents the blood that he shed and as I come and, and I take communion often I'm just reminding myself yeah this is what it's all about the, the sacrifice, the love, the grace this is what it's about and so um, in a moment here uh, we'll start to worship I will I will pray for us and then uh, if you guys can we'll just form two lines and um, just as you're ready and as you feel led feel free to come and, and join in communion and um, Yeah, will you pray with me? Jesus, I thank you for your life. And thank you that you are the life that just continues now and through our lives. All the way from when you walked the earth and started teaching the disciples. And if there's any theme here, Lord, if there's anything good that was said today, Lord, I pray that you would illuminate those things. and, And literally tattoo those truths. If they're true things that were said, that you would tattoo our hearts with those truths. I pray that we would become people of light, or better yet, that we would understand our adoption as people of light. That whatever light that we captured that stoked us out enough to come to church and to join a church or community of of God, I pray that you would bring us to that starting point over and over again. Break our hearts for what breaks yours and lead us to fall in love with you, Jesus. And I pray that you would uh, commune with us during this time in communion that this would be an intimate time where we just come back and we enjoy that relationship. Amen.